Hey guys, I'm BJ Aiken and this is Little Things because I see God in the little things. I hope y'all will join me as I share these little pieces of my heart that are actually a big part of who I am and how I connect with God and Jesus Christ. I hope that through this, you can learn how you see and hear him in your own life. Because the beautiful thing is, we are all unique and God meets us right where we are. Thanks for tuning in. Okay, guys, this is like take five. (laughs) Um, Corbett's been kind of cranky this morning, so sometimes I can record when he's awake. And today is just not one of those days. So, anyway, he's down for a nap now, so... Now I can record the little thing of the week. So, anyway, fun times. Um, so, um, this, the little thing for this week is kind of an interesting one because it's not something that is relieving any stress. It actually is probably adding <laughs> to the stress and craziness of our life. Um, And that's why I kind of thought it would be a good one to share because then it... Little things can just look so different. Um, But that doesn't mean that they're not little things. So, um, So Cody and I are both full-time students. We're both studying psychology, um, and we're, we just finished up week three, I think, of this semester, and it's already like, oh, this is being so much harder than last semester, because last semester, Cody and I, um, all of our classes were online, but they were asynchronous, meaning that, um, there weren't any live lectures that we had to attend. They were all pre-recorded, so we could just kind of pace ourselves however we wanted. Um, We still had due dates and whatever, but um, so it was nice because then if Corbett had a rough day and I didn't get much done, like, it wasn't a very big deal. Um, But this, so that's still true for me this semester, but Cody, um, he, his all of his lectures are on Zoom, so his stuff is more structured, everything is scheduled, um, and so because of that, I have to, um, just take Corbett more often, which I, is totally fine, like, I'm not resenting Cody for that at all, um, it's just how it, has worked out this semester and it's um so it's just me trying to figure out when to work on homework is just proving to be more difficult um and on on top of that Cody also he is um, a research assistant for one of the psychology professors um and he also tutors for this uh the stats department so there's just a lot more going on um, this semester, um, but, um, you know, the, the past couple of months, and especially this past week, it's, um, Cody's been feeling kind of stressed about um, 
grad school because um, it's really competitive. Um, these programs will get hundreds of applicants and only accept like four at a time. So it's like you have to be a really good candidate. And um, so he has just been feeling kind of stressed about that and just feeling like I need to be having more research experience um, because if not, then I'm not gonna gonna get in. And so we've kind of been going back and forth. So do we take some time and find a job so you can get some more experience for a couple of years before applying? Or do you just try to get more experience here and then apply right after we're done? Or I don't know. So that's just something that's been kind of a stressful uh, topic. Um, but something happened this week that just was such a witness to me that, that God is aware and um, that if if we're doing what we can, the opportunities will come. And so um, the professor that Cody is currently working with sent him an email saying that this other professor was looking for um, a few undergrad students to help him with this research. He got a grant to to do this research and so it'll be a paid position um, but it'll it would just be a really good opportunity for that research experience that we've been looking for and so it um, again it's it's not really taking away any stress it's probably adding it well it's definitely adding more to the plate but I feel like it's it was such a tender mercy um and it was just such a witness to me that that God God cares about what we care about and um again like if we're willing and we're doing our part then um he will guide us and opportunities will open up and and um so we will see how this semester goes and I um I've been talking to myself saying like you know what BJ it might be time to start settling for some B's and maybe even some C's because <laughs> that just might be how it needs to work out and that I'm I I feel like I'm I've reached a point where I'm okay with that. <laughs> um the first I got a C the first semester of AP calculus my junior year of high school and I was devastated. I thought it was the end of the world and I feel like I've come a long <laughs> a long way since then. So um but I feel like like God is going to help help me as well. Um if this is something that, that we feel like needs to happen. And so anyway, that is the unconventional little thing of the week. Um, so I just hope that that can maybe encourage y'all to just be looking, um, in different places, um, for your little things. So anyway, I am super stoked about, this week's episode. Um, 
I am joined by our awesome institute teacher, Brother Ryan Reynolds. Um, super, super grateful for him. Um, and we just have a really good conversation. There are a lot of things that we talk about, so I'm going to try to um, put some highlights in the in the description um, because there are just lots of really good things that I feel like we talk about. And um, just the overarching theme, I feel like, is, um, you know, we often put ourselves in this binary of we're either struggling or we're not struggling. Um, whether that's with faith or just with whatever. Um, but Ryan kind of challenges that idea um, and suggests that it's more of a spectrum that in to some degree or another, we are all struggling with things. And um, I was just really, really grateful for his perspective um, and just some of the insights that that he had. So I hope you guys enjoy. So here is my conversation with Ryan. Hello everyone and welcome back to Little Things. Um, I have an awesome guest joining me today, Brother Ryan Reynolds. He is our institute teacher and we love him so much and institute is one of my it's one of my little things like Institute has been, I think, a saving grace for me and Cody within the last couple of years. So I wanted to have Ryan on to talk with us. So do you want to say some things about yourself? Uh, wow. Thank you for that <laughs> introduction. I need you to come introduce me everywhere. <laughs> sure. Appreciate that. Um, yeah, I'm Ryan Reynolds. My wife and I, my wife, Kara, and I have three children. Sam is 11. Ben is eight. Amelia is six, and they are everything to us. We love them so much. We moved here from Utah to teach uh, institute here back in 2012 here in Laramie. And um, let's see, that was my, this is my second assignment in church education. I was only in Layton, Utah teaching seminary for about seven or eight months before we were asked to come here. And we've loved it here. It's grown on us more and more. Um, but I sort of feel that's the case. Um, no matter where you go, if you are committed to the Savior and, and trying to teach and testify of Him, you just sort of settle in. And, and uh, I think it's more about the moments than the landscape. You know, the moments of, of helping people, lifting people, and then you have great memories associated with wherever you are. So we love it here. And and uh, happy to be on the little things. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm nervous. <laughs> I hope I live up to BJ's expectations. Oh, Brother Reynolds is awesome. We, he's actually been the only institute teacher I've had so far here in Laramie. Because we just love his classes. So I always, <laughs> I always sign up for his classes. Mm-hmm. Um, she doesn't know what she's missing. Uh, <laughs> maybe that's true, but I just really enjoy our classes. So we're, um, we're doing a general conference class this semester and I'm super excited about it so and we get to eat grilled cheese which is always super fun so anyway so I wanted to ask you um so you're a convert to the church um so kind of I guess since joining the church like how have you seen your relationship with God evolve if that makes sense yeah thank you 
my wife and I are both converts. Kara joined the church when she was 17. And uh, I joined the church. Do you want to set it on the table? Or is this good? Um, this is fine. Yeah, I joined the church when I was 19, back in 1999, uh, at the University of Arizona down in Tucson. And um, you're asking about my relationship with him developing. It certainly has. Um, I feel like my relationship with him has become certainly more real. Uh, once I began to understand um, my part in it, expectations and so forth, I was raised in a uh, family that believed in God but wasn't necessarily religious. My grandparents were pretty religious, Seventh-day Adventists, but um, my immediate family was not really, though a belief in God was never a question, but it was not necessarily ever promoted. But I had a, a difficult upbringing in, in a lot of different ways. Um, and so right around the time I was, I think I was six, 17, 16, I uh, was suddenly living on my own in a little trader house and and was struggling emotionally and found myself naturally reaching out to God and, and asking for his help and boy over the next few years he, he really delivered in a way that I could not deny it definitely was God's hand in my life and of course I, I met missionaries and came to uh, love and accept the restored gospel and then to serve my mission but in that process um, I I had asked him for a lot of things, what I called an institute the other day, a transactional relationship, where mm -hmm. I just whenever I would go, whenever I needed something, I'd ask him, hoping I'd get it. And once I got it, that was sort of the end of it. But when you make covenants with um, our Father in Heaven, then he helps you to understand that you have things to do as well, and he would like you to do those things. He's mm -hmm. asking things of you. And in a lot of ways, BJ, that, that little thing in my life, um, if you'll forgive me for using that phrase, oh, that thing in my life. I use it all the time, so <laughs> <Yeah>. no worries. <laughs> it has become more rich in some ways. When I do things for Heavenly Father, I just feel so, I don't know, like proud of my efforts. Mm -hmm. or feel, He lets me feel like, you know, I've done something. Now, it's not something he couldn't do for himself. That's probably right. really clear. But he says, hey, I, I do that with my children all the time. Hey, here's this part of our yard I'd like you to clean. And I'd like you to do that. And, and they get better and better at it. And as they complete those things, then they just start to feel so much satisfaction and get confidence in mm -hmm. themselves. And so um, this is a much, very much a generality. But as I have taken my Heavenly Father's um, invitations to act on the covenants I've made with him, or even something as small as... Uh, little um, promptings that I receive, then I find that I ask him for fewer of the little things because I suddenly feel confident. He's, in, he's instilled in me this confidence that I can go act in righteousness. And uh, so I feel like our relationship because of that has become much more rich. Um, and then maybe over the last four or five years, I felt that increase that he expects a little bit more of me and uh, that I need to exercise faith a little bit more and that has been challenging for me the last few years but again when I meet those challenges even a, a small amount then I feel just more confident more faithful in my life thanks for that question what a good one I just I love that and and I kind of talked about that in my testimony today like I just think it's so cool how God could totally do all of this himself but he lets us be a part of it and how that helps us to grow in confidence in him and in ourselves. And so I've definitely been feeling that 
within the last few months. So thank you for saying it's so good. I have so I I don't know. I just feel like last year just with COVID and moving and depression and all this stuff going on, like I just didn't really want to reach out and help people and I just didn't really feel like I wanted to be engaged. But then I felt guilty for that and it's like I know I should want to feel engaged. And whatever, but then as I've started to come out of that, like, I just want to be doing it more and more. And even though I still have hard days like we all do, like, it's just so much fun. I just, anyway, I just love that. Thank you. Yeah. It's okay if I add Yeah, go ahead. Else. This is for any of your listeners out there who, um, who might be hearing this and struggle thinking that they're hearing. I know BJ's not saying this and I'm not, but they sometimes we struggle when we hear people in the church say, hey, if you're depressed, just get up and go serve people and then you'll be happy. Mm-hmm. Um, I've heard that through my life. And, yeah, me too. But we're not parroting that. That's not what we're talking about. Uh, to help, uh, the Heavenly Father helped me understand um, that in a more nuanced way. One year I was reading Matthew 14 and you'll see if you go there, that John the Baptist just was murdered. He had his head cut off. And, and this is Jesus' cousin who he loves so much. Well, John's disciples come to Jesus and, and tell him what's happened. And you can tell Jesus is, is saddened because you see in this verse, it's got to be somewhere around 6 or 7, I think, um, where it said that Jesus wanted to go, he left to go to a mountain place uh, or a desert place apart. He wanted to be alone. You see this desert and apart, and he's leaving, mm-hmm. and he's going because this is a difficult thing for him. Now, we might stop him on that road and say, wait a second, you're feeling glum, buddy? You're feeling down? Go serve some people, and you'll feel all better. Well, that would be the wrong answer for Jesus at that time. Mm-hmm. And yet, to help us understand that, here comes a throng of hungry people, mm-hmm. men, women, and children, following him in his grief. And he does, in fact, stop and serve them. Mm-hmm. Now, if it held true that if we just serve people, we'll be happy. And if we just get out there, if we're feeling depression, just get out there and serve people and you'll be happy suddenly. If that was true, what you'd see was Jesus feeds all these people. And then he says, and it came to pass that Jesus is now super happy. and everything's right. okay. But it doesn't say that. The minute he takes care of everybody else, which is wonderful of him, mm-hmm. he sends them and his apostles away so that he can, once again, it repeats it, go to be apart um, from all of them to spend some time with Heavenly Father alone. And and he goes and does that. It's okay to struggle. It's totally okay to, uh, it's part of mortality to struggle with our emotions, to feel mm-hmm. sadness, to feel depression. And um, it's okay that you don't feel happy or that you don't want to serve people. But I think what BJ and I are saying, based on our experiences, you can correct me if I'm wrong, But Heavenly Father gives us opportunities to serve others because that's what He does all the time. Mm -hmm. And when we do that, we feel more confident. Um, It brings a peace to us. Maybe Mm -hmm. when I said happiness earlier, it wasn't quite right. But it does bring a certain peace and confidence into our life to deal with the things that are coming, including, Mm -hmm. and hopefully it doesn't happen to us, our cousin's head gets chopped off. I know. (laughs) Anyway, so thanks for letting me see No, thank you. That is so important. I have several friends and and one in particular that just really struggles and and beats herself up for not you know 
feeling happy or wanting to serve people. And so I think that is so important. So thank you for, yeah. for sharing that. Your friend should know I feel that way a lot yeah. of time. Yep. Yeah, I'm with you, sister. Yeah. Love you. Yeah. So thank you for that. Um, so kind of going into Institute, I also want to ask you, like, so when you joined the church, did you ever, like, <laughs> picture yourself teaching you know like being teaching in this kind of capacity like obviously you served a mission which is teaching but like I don't know can you kind of walk us through like the process of becoming an institute teacher yeah it's a big answer um what what kind of uh it's a big question rather. Right. what kind of answer do you want do you do you, do you want to know the process of becoming an employee or well okay maybe not the pro I think more like your journey like yeah, okay. like how how did you get interested in it like just what made you want to to start thank you teaching? What, a, what a generous question you're letting me talk all about myself <laughs> well um as you listen to this i i hope that uh you're not necessarily trying to listen for how you get hired in the church rather um looking for listening for how heavenly father can help guide and, and strengthen you as an individual and uh, knowing that he does have a plan for you and also that he's interested in what you want to do. I, I felt like the the uh, doors of mortality for the most part were open to my interests and he was going to work to help me to accomplish those things. But um, I joined the church again November 6, 1999 in Tucson, Arizona at the Institute and honestly, BJ, when I look back, I, I don't remember the institute teachers or anything. I, mm -hmm. I, I know they must have been there, right. but I didn't really take institute. I was more working and mm -hmm. was only there for about 10 months after I joined the church and don't remember. But the first inclination that I had that, wow, I would want to do this thing. And remember, I didn't have seminary and I didn't know it wasn't even a, a employment. Right. I was in my mission. My first area, Elder Lyndon Lee was my trainer from Hawaii and he's the greatest. Oh, he was perfect for me. And we just loved teaching the gospel. And uh, everywhere I went, I would just talk to everyone about it. We'd get on intact, what they call in the Philippines, jeepneys. And I'd jump in a jeepney and, jeepney and just look around and say, who can I talk to? And I'd talk mm -hmm. to everyone, and I didn't care. And my broken Tagalog, I don't know what I'm saying, <laughs> but I'd just do it. And it was thrilling for me. And uh, my trainer was like, wow, you just talk to anybody about it. Why do you do that? And I said, it's so much fun. Mm -hmm. And he's like, oh, and I remember him saying, yeah, well, you ought to do it for a career then. And I said, well, if I could, I would. And he's like, well, you seriously don't know? And I didn't know. <laughs> and so that, that seed was planted in my mission. I loved teaching and testifying of the Lord. And I still love that to this day. I love talking about him and all he has and can do for each of us. And so, um, I, 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 let me put other couple of pieces of this in there for you. Again, thinking about what Heavenly Father can do to bless you and His interest in you. I came home from my mission, and a couple years later, I ended up at Colorado State University, where I met um, a wonderful institute teacher there, and he was a state president. He's just, just wonderful. And I remember sitting in his classes and thinking, these are so great, and then approaching him one day after class and saying, Brother, I'd, I'd really love, I think I'd love to do this as a career. And it took him 10 seconds of assessment before he said, I don't think you're cut out for this. This really isn't for you. <laughs> yeah. And I remember feeling a little dejected and trying to explore that with him, but he was pretty mm -hmm. adamant, like, that this wasn't going to be quite right for me. Maybe yeah. I would pursue something else. And so I, I really didn't take it beyond that. Well, uh, mar I married my sweetheart, and we ended up in Utah, and 
She did a really demanding master's program at the University of Utah and right at the end of her two years, and I was off just working, trying to support us. At the end of the two years, she was interviewing on the East Coast for jobs as a genetic counselor, which would have paid us well and established us well. And, and, um, and uh, uh, Elders Corn president, I, I was his counsel at the time, um, I was leaving our apartment complex one day and he's out riding his bike and he waved me down and, and he said, hey, how was your trip to the East Coast interviewing on those jobs? I said, oh, they went great. Looks like we might be moving to Pennsylvania. And he said, I can't, I can't help but, but say this. I just keep having this thought come to my mind. I think you ought to think about being a, a, a CES, getting into CES. And I had uh, never talked with him about this or anything and it sort of shocked me. And I was yeah. like, well, yeah, that's great. I really wanted to once upon a time, but that shit has probably sold me. He goes, well, I, I got it off my mind. He's like, I could not stop thinking about it. So it's out of my mind now. It's into yours. So thanks for listening. Huh. And sure enough, I drove away and rolled up that window and I could not stop thinking about <laughs> it. But I was terrified. Right. How do I tell my wife this thing that I'm really, I can't stop thinking about? And she just worked so hard for years, mm -hmm. including one year carrying a baby where she was so sick and we didn't even know if we'd accomplish it. But one night, sure enough, I said, look, honey, I, 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 this thing's on my mind. I, I've got to tell you, I think before we leave Utah, we ought to think about, how, I think I want to do CES. And she was like, how dare you? And I'm like, what are you talking about? We, just, we have a job and all this stuff. And I remember saying, well, it's out of my mind and into yours now. I got it off my chest. Hopefully I'm not thinking about it anymore. And a few days later, Kara was like, I can't stop thinking about yeah, it. I can't stop thinking about this thing. And so we said, well, let's just see. And she hadn't gotten the official offer yet from the clinic in Pennsylvania. So I just put in a few job applications. I got called that day to start working at Salt Lake Regional Medical Center um, in the emergency room. So suddenly we had full-time employment and we thought, well, should we take it or should we not? If we take it, that means we're gonna say no to the East Coast job offers and we're gonna try this thing. Um, and so we prayerfully decided, let's take it and try it. So we did and then just a day or two later, the East Coast got back to us and said, hey, we'd like to offer you employment. Oh, <laughs> <Fair> no. <laughs> oh, I guess we're gonna say no. So we did and, and uh, Kara's family, who are not members of the church, um, were not they thought we were making a, a terrible decision and they live out on the east right a lot of them do live on the east coast yeah and they also thought having our baby in the middle of her graduate program was a terrible yep. decision mm -hmm. and, but you know we we are neophytes for all intents and purposes when it comes to the gospel we're brand new we're not really sure what we're doing but we just follow the this the little things mm -hmm. the simple principles we learned as converts to pray and ask Heavenly Father to guide us and help us and, mm -hmm. and, the, and the decisions we make. And, and so we do that simply and we felt inspired to move forward having a child. We felt inspired to, they seem sometimes to be counterintuitive. Mm -hmm. Cut Laban's head off and you're going, why would I do this? Right. He's going against everything I've been yeah. And he challenges you in this way, but when you follow him, it works out again. You get this sort of confidence. I feel like Kara and I have a great amount of confidence in our marriage and in our family. Mm -hmm. And it has a lot to do with this. Well, I, uh, I started working at the hospital, and, and, and anyway, if, if you know anything about the process of getting hired for CES, it's very, very competitive. It's, they tell you right from the beginning, you're essentially probably not going to get hired. Mm -hmm. Don't make this your plan A. It's probably not going to happen. Right. And, and we were really fast-tracked to being hired, surprisingly. We just threw ourselves into it. Mm -hmm. I was working overnight at the hospital and then teaching during the day. And oh, I was taking wow. a couple classes at the university. I was dead tired. But Kara, bless her, she is, you couldn't ask for better. Um, she's better than I am at uh, just running things. And she kept us afloat so well. And 
And uh, it, was, it was about, I think it was eight months or nine months from the time we expressed interest till the time we were offered employment. Yeah, and then we settled in. We thought we'd teach in Utah, in Layton. We were happy being there for long term. And uh, then they said, we'd like you to go to Laramie, and that was challenging too. Why would we do that? Right. And they said, would you pray about it and think about it? We went to the temple, and Kara cried. Oh, we're going Dang to Laramie, aren't we? And, and again, we've just loved it. In fact, I keep looking out the window because right out your window is our first apartment. I keep glancing over there and having all No way. Houses. Yeah, it's that, those white apartments over there with that red trim. That's where we first moved to. Nice. Out. And so I'm, I'm having lots of flashbacks, so... You know, this this podcast is called Little Things, but you can't have someone with lots of hot air and can't stop talking onto the Little Things podcast. Hey, no answer for me as well. No, I I love it. And honestly, I I I enjoy like when I'm talking and it's just me on a on an episode, but I love having people on so much more than I love having myself. Um a few weeks ago, I had Jessica on, and she talked about photography and and her some struggles that she's dealt with. And I just love it's maybe sound weird, but I love listening to people's stories, and I love listening to people, other people's little things. Like I love talking about my little things, but I love listening even more and just hearing it even more. So I just am so grateful that you accepted my invitation to be on here because I just think I feel like I have a lot to say most of the time but I want people to hear from more people than just me because they might get tired of hearing my voice so well we all love you oh well thank you thank you um I had a question and I forgot what it was um oh um I guess so just working with young adults every day like um I'm sure you see like the whole spectrum of you know young adults that are super jazzed about the gospel and like you know super solid and then others that are maybe struggling with their faith or just with things that have happened in the church um I guess what is that kind of experience like for you and um I guess how maybe have you felt God's love for them as you've worked in this job. Does that make sense? It, of course it makes okay. sense. Okay. <laughs> um, I know it's kind of a loaded question. No, maybe, it's, but... it's the question I, I think in my heart of hearts, I, I hoped that you would ask a question like that. Um, so I am, I am infamous for preamble or preface, as my <laughs> wife might say, but let me preface it by saying that in no way do I represent the church in right. my responses. And that needs to be clear. Uh, obviously, I'm an employee of the church, but my colleagues are going to have very different thoughts and opinions about mm-hmm. this. And that's sort of the, the structure for how I might talk about this, is that we're all different. Mm-hmm. We have different perspectives, but we're also in different places in our lives. Yeah. Um, you set it up a little bit, BJ, as a binary. And if it's okay, I'm going to deconstruct that binary. Yes, please, and please it. do. Please the binary do. that you've created is it's either you're really all in and not struggling with your faith or you are struggling with mm-hmm. your faith. And, and I, I found over time, I think maybe I would have constructed it that way at one time, but my experience with hundreds of young single adults has taught me that uh, by design, everybody in mortality is struggling with their faith. 
Faith is, in fact, mortality is a place where you can exercise faith, mm -hmm. where you can come to a place where you don't remember, where your body is made of, of materials that can be deconstructed and die. Mm -hmm. So you're going to encounter struggle where your body can be cut and bleed and die, and mm -hmm. you can experience pain and, and temptations and all these things. And the, the purpose of mortality is to give you a place where faith is possible to be exercised, mm -hmm. where you're going to live according to principles and truths that you feel deeply beyond this world that are true, but you get to put them into action in a, in a place where it's trying to destroy it. Mm -hmm. So even those people who sometimes are just coming off their mission and they seem like, oh, I, I mean, I know, you know mm -hmm. the gospel is true. I have no struggles. Well, even them doing that can be seen as an effort to struggle with their faith or strengthen mm -hmm. their faith. When they don't have perfect knowledge, sometimes it is we're talking ourselves into it that yes I do believe this or yes my experiences have taught me that this is true and they're excited about those things but it's constantly in flux mm -hmm. circumstances and mortality again by design change for everyone so yeah. as that person's circumstances change they finally they, they suddenly might find themselves again in a circumstance where Heavenly Father's asking them to exercise faith where they maybe haven't had to before mm -hmm. and they start depending on how they look at it well let, let me say it in this way because the concept of struggling with faith is not a mainstream concept, it's more of a binary. We think that it's just those who are thinking about leaving the church or are not sure about it, they're struggling with their faith, but not everyone is. Um, when someone who was at one time thinking they had no problems and they loved the gospel, suddenly struggling with the purpose of mortality or church history or something, mm -hmm. now they suddenly think, oh, I must be one of those who is struggling with my faith. Maybe I don't know. And they start questioning things they once actually did know. Mm -hmm. So... Yeah, in my opinion, literally everybody, including me as I'm sitting there teaching in class, we're all struggling to know Heavenly Father, who He is. There's a lot we don't know, um, and and we're all struggling with that faith. But it's true, I think, that we don't continue to uh, be active in the gospel because of what we don't know. We're excited about what we do know, and it propels us forward. But everybody should anticipate that what they don't know will be challenging to them. Mm -hmm. You don't know what kind of illness is going to come to you. You don't know right. what postpartum is going to experience is mm -hmm. going to be like, and so those things will challenge you. Um, but it seems to be a universal to me. Those who will at least choose to believe in Christ, in my classes that I've seen, no matter where on the spectrum they are with struggling with faith, those who choose to believe in Christ and then act according to that belief, always have a greater measure of peace about them in the, the midst of the struggle of faith. I love that. And I really appreciate you deconstructing that binary because I just thinking about my own experience, and I'm not trying to sound boastful when I say this, but I feel like people look at me sometimes and they're like, oh, she's got it all together. And I, I mean, don't. that's what I say about well, you. Well, <laughs> but I mean, I just, just thinking about, especially like just this past year, like it is so true. And even if we may be, our faith may be stronger, like there are still things that are hard. And um, so yeah, there, it's not just either or, like it's more like an and, like I have strong faith in this and I have questions about this. And so, anyway, I really appreciate you 
sharing that. You're so, so kind of Thank you. By the way, if, if you ever question whether, you know, how, how, how much BJ has it together, just taste her cake. <laughs> then you'll know. <laughs> I, okay, so in the episode I posted yesterday, yeah. so I do a segment mm-hmm. of, like, my weekly little thing, mm-hmm. um, and I talked about cake a little bit, and how I just had this feeling that I should ask someone to be my taste tester for my cake. It was Ryan. <laughs> so <laughs> that's why that's why he says that. I've only made one cake, so you got to wow. be patient you with me. Thank you. I've baked a lot before, but cake is a new thing. So we'll see how it goes, but you're so kind. Um I don't know. Is there anything else that you feel like you should share or, I don't know, things that, I don't know. Yeah, um, thank you. Is this going to wrap it up? It can if you want. I I don't, I I, I don't have any. Whoever's listening, they're like, come on. No, no, I don't think so. Um, Yeah, I don't have any other questions coming to mind so I just wanted to give you an opportunity to share anything else thank you um, I have thought about this since BJ asked me uh, I've thought about it multiple times and uh, I didn't have anything specific I wanted to say but I do remember thinking um, that I wanted to help someone maybe just one person who's listening what could I say you know or, mm-hmm. or, or I was hoping to be sensitive to the Holy Ghost to just Hopefully that whatever I said could reach out and help someone and, and strengthen them. To let you know, uh, it, it's, it's okay. Everything you're struggling with um, that has been made a problem in your life, uh, be it by Mormon culture or, or your own shaming yourself or whatever, it's okay to struggle on mortality with your sexual identity, with your faith, with your... Um, you know, with your depression and with uh, pornography usage and with self-doubt and um, with eating disorder and all those things, it, it's okay. I leaned over to my son today who's told me recently a, a bunch of struggles that he's having that he's really embarrassed about. And he's 11, getting ready to turn 12, and I leaned over in our meeting today and I said, Hey son, you see everybody in here? And he goes, Dad, shh. I, I promise I'm, I'm whispering. No one can hear us. But, you know, you, everyone's sort of like this. Right. This is a, a microcosm, right? Everyone's like this. We don't want anyone to know that someone's talking to us about issues. And, and I didn't mention any issues in specific. I just said, everybody in here is struggling with the exact same things you are to one degree or another. And some maybe even worse. And he said, no way. Mm-hmm. I said, yeah, absolutely. He would not believe me. He's like, no way, Dad. Not, not as yeah. bad as I am. They're not, they're not that bad. And no matter what I told him, he just wouldn't believe it. Right. Well, I'm reaching out through the airwaves to you to tell you uh, that's not true. Everybody is struggling. And uh, if we say that anyone who believes Jesus is the Christ and is going to confess that and live their testimony of him is, is going to go to his presence happily, well, that means you. It, does, it doesn't say everyone who's not struggling and believes in Jesus gets to go. No, no, no. All it takes is my testimony of Christ. So I'm reaching out to you to just say, look, it's okay. 
you are exactly who you are is okay. I love you. Come move to Laramie and come to this class. You <laughs> yes, will find, do it. <laughs> you will find yourself welcome and uh, comfortable, I think, amongst a bunch of people who are struggling and who are okay with struggling. So that's the first thing I'll say that's okay. Yeah. There are two other things that are popping into my mind, and they're attached to my testimony and learning about the gospel. Again, I joined when I was 19. But I just want to mention these things carefully. I've mentioned them just a time or two before in my life um, in private spaces. I recognize this as a public space, so I'm going to say it with um, a lot of caution. Uh, but I, the way I grew up was around people who are good people. My parents are wonderful people who struggled a lot, but they did not have the gospel of Jesus Christ to help them to navigate through those struggles. They may have had the light of Christ. They may have had, mm -hmm. and I think that helped them to be good people. Yeah. But in terms of making the decisions, they were sort of left to themselves because they chose to just sort of reject, it's not organized religion, they just rejected um, Christ, but not overtly, like, not saying we reject him, just not including him, right? Mm -hmm. We never had family prayer. We never did those types of yeah. things. So he just wasn't invited. They were really involved in a lot of different things. My parents also grew up in very difficult circumstances. So I tell you that because I remember after my mom and my father, my mom and my dad split up, that my mom had a, a new boyfriend, and I did not like this guy, and I didn't want to be around him, and I just wanted to reject all of that in my life. I must have been probably 12 maybe or 13 um, and I just it wasn't a cognitive decision it was just emotional I didn't you know our, our family had fallen apart and I didn't want anything to do with any other kind of structure but I found myself one day playing old Sega Genesis in my mom's apartment and uh, I heard some scuffle in the back room and some arguing maybe some swear words and then all of a sudden I, my mom came flying through the door and this man uh, my, my father was not an abusive or violent man at all, but this man my mom started dating was, was very much violent and abusive. And he threw her through the door and um, began to beat her severely right in front of me. It happened so rapidly, and, and I didn't know what to do, and this was a very large man. And, and uh, I look back on this moment and wish I would have done something more, but I just I ran. I, I, I ran away, and there was a sign on the door that um, said my mom's name and a heart and this boyfriend's name, hers. And, and as I ran out the door, I just sort of instinctively, instinctively grabbed that thing. And I ran down the stairs and I was crying and, and freaking out. And I, in this little town where I grew up, I, I ran away and I, I, I remember the garage, this old dilapidated garage that hadn't been opened in years. I threw that sign into that garage as I ran away. And here's this, I didn't understand what was happening and I didn't understand why things were and it was just difficult. And I ran to my grandmother who at the time was in her 80s and and I, I tried to get out what was happening, and, and she was, of course, very concerned and called my uncle, and they, and they tried to take care of things. And I don't remember what I did with the rest of my day or anything, but I remember that emotional experience was really etched on my heart and what it meant. Um, that's, that I remember as one of those times that made me want to have a family that was more secure and, and had more staying power, was more... Um, solid, but I had no clue how to get there. Mm -hmm. But the yearning in my heart was that I wanted this thing. Now, 
let's pretend for a moment that I then had the knowledge that I have now. I would think now that I say, oh, look, this is a mess. I'm going to pray to Heavenly Father and He's going to fix it. Like, He's going to make everything mm-hmm. better. He's going to bring this thing into my life because of my righteous desires. Here I go. I kneel down and I pray. Well, back then, I must have been 12 or 13, I didn't learn anything about the gospel till I was, what, 19. So seven or eight years later, I'm starting to learn about the gospel. I do think that the yearning of my heart then, even though I didn't know how to express it, was something Heavenly Father absolutely saw and then put things into motion to bring that into my life. Between the ages of 12 and 19, an experience I'll tell you in a moment, um, I, I was beyond imperfect. I was struggling with everything that teenagers struggle with. I didn't, and I had no parents around to lead and guide me. I was 17 years old and homeless for all intents and purposes. I was just living in this little trailer house by myself. So it's not like I had tons of structure, but the yearning in my heart from, for a young age to have something better and righteous in my life. Um, in fact, if I can remember it, I think it's Ether 12.4. Um, therefore, wherefore, whoso believeth in God might with surety hope for a better world, yea, mm-hmm. even a place at the right hand of God, which hope cometh of faith, maketh an anchor to the souls of men, which would make them sure and steadfast, always abounding in good works. That was me. I, I believed in God and I hoped for a better world, but I didn't know how to do that. Mm-hmm. I think we sometimes in the church get so caught up into that how to do that, mm-hmm. the steps of how to make righteous things happen. That's fine. I'm not saying, my colleagues would probably look at me right here and interrupt and say, actually, you got to follow those steps. Mm-hmm. That's just not my experience. Mm-hmm. The deep, sincere yearning of my heart was what Heavenly Father really wanted. And even though I wasn't skilled at doing the steps to bring those things in, my desire was sincere and righteous. Mm-hmm. And I let that work in me. And seven or eight years later, I finally was introduced to the gospel and I was ready. And it has brought into my life this incredible experience. So the last experience that keeps popping in my head, I want to tell you, was right at the end of that. I was probably about 18, just before I joined the church. I was living in that trader house by myself, and in my town, Deer Trail, Colorado, there was one family who were members of the church, and they saw me struggling um, to even have food and warmth and things, and they just reached out to me and said, hey, their dad, a great hero of mine, is our football coach and a science teacher, and he said, "Why, why don't you move in with us? And I was embarrassed and declined, but then... A few days later, his his kids, who were friends of mine, just showed up at my little trailer house, and they weren't going to take no <laughs> so they started taking my stuff, and, and I moved into their, their attic, and I remember, I always, I believed at that point that every Mormon's house must smell like freshly baked bread all the time. <laughs> it just was, smelled so good, and it was so warm, and everything yeah. was so inviting, and I lived up in their attic on a mattress on the floor, which felt, at the time, more luxurious than any other hotel experience I've had since, just wow, I was in the lap of luxury. And uh, early the, on the Monday morning following me moving in, I heard some noises and what the heck was going on? And it was dark and this is back in the 90s, right? So no cell phones to look mm-hmm. at or anything. And I was like, what in the heck is going on? What are these voices? I kind of got up and started creeping down the stairs listening. And then I uh, heard one of them mention, someone mentioned Jesus. And I was thinking, am I having a seance or what are they doing? I didn't know Mormons believed in Jesus. <laughs> and I just sat there on the steps. I got as close as I could creaking down these steps without them to know I was there. And then I just listened carefully. I could just hear their voices. And of course, they were having an early morning seminary class. And I sat there and just felt, I felt filled by what they were saying. There was nothing special. It was probably what you all might call one of those snooze seminary classes. But again, my heart was such that I needed something more stable in my life. And I was, I was, as I was listening to these people in the dark hours of the morning, talking and testifying in simple ways of Jesus Christ, I just felt, I want that. It's probably not the Mormons, but I want that in my <laughs> mm-hmm. life. And sure enough, 
you know, there I started asking questions, and then I found out um, what they believed, and I was really interested. And they gave me a copy of the Book of Mormon, and the rest, of course, is as they say, history. Mm -hmm. I just want you to know again, there's no need um, to feel like you need to be perfect or without problems, or you're one of those who doesn't struggle with faith. You're great. Nope. All you have to have is really sincere desires and let those desires work in you until you can give place for God and believing in Him and then that can uh, work together to make an anchor to your soul. That's my, that's my experience. Thank you so much. Um, just something that came to mind while you were talking, um, I thought about Elder Holland's talk that we discussed um, in our class on Friday. Um, just that life is not meant to be struggle-free. Um, and a thought that I had when I was reading that talk is a lot of times we feel guilty for not feeling happy all the time. Um, but the struggles are so key in helping us to become like God. Um, and that was something that I hadn't ever really thought about before. Um, and like, it doesn't make the trial any easier necessarily, but I at least feel some peace knowing that, like he told Joseph Smith, like this will work together for your good. Like this, these things are helping me to become more like him. And, um, and so I just thought about that. Like, that's the purpose of mortality is to become like him. It's not to come and already be like him, but to learn how to be like him. And, um, I just feel like that's an important thing that I've, that's been on my mind lately and that's, that I've learned and have come to love. And so I just feel like what you shared really captured that. So thank you. Ah, you're so good at these thank, things, oh, Thank you. Seriously, I hear you talk about them and watch you live your life. And I'm like, this isn't someone who just naively believes. She, BJ, you all know BJ. She just, well, if you don't. You should know. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> she is really good at having these realizations and then patterning her life after them. So I'm grateful to have a friend and student like you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much for joining me. I we we love Ryan and his family so much, and we're they've been a huge blessing to us since we moved here. And so just thank you for joining me today. I was happy to. Thank you. Okay, guys. We'll see you next time. I hope y'all enjoyed today's episode. I appreciate you coming along for the ride. If you like what you heard, feel free to subscribe to my podcast and go follow me on Instagram for more at little.things.podcast. I see God in the little things. You may not, and that's okay. Regardless of how you see him, one thing is always true. God is good and his tender mercies are over all his works. Psalm 145, 9. Thanks, and we'll see you next time.